Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 13th of March. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, we talk to Danny Welbeck about his football upbringing. We also remember a former Arsenal record holder in this week's history lesson. Adrian Clark is back for another dose of the chalkboard. We kick off by looking back at the weekend's action with our Arsenal insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, I'm delighted to say that the Daily Telegraph's assistant sports news editor, Julian Bennett, now joins us on the line to uh, take a little look back at uh, events of the weekend just gone and chat a few wider Arsenal stories. Uh, Julian, appreciate you coming on to the show. Nice to have you making your debut. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I guess we can safely call it a turbulent build-up to the weekend's FA Cup action, but um, one that was then rounded off with a, a good and confidence-building win, wasn't it? Yeah, it was from an, an Arsenal point of view. It took a while, uh, 45 minutes or so before... Uh, getting the first goal but that opened the floodgates pretty much uh, it was a bit of a uh, there was not really a, a good out for Arsenal there if you lose it's the biggest disaster ever if you uh, if, if you win handsomely as they do everyone goes well it was a non-league side what do you expect so I guess uh, I guess you chalk it down this job done into the uh, into the FA Cup semi-finals and it's a pretty strong line up there and, uh, and move on and try and forget what's been another uh, pretty horrendous week from an Arsenal point of view and as you mentioned, obviously, to have that Wembley semi-final again to look forward to is a very positive thing to try and kind of focus on for the third time in four years now as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, amid all the, the criticism of Arsene Wenger, I think that's his 11th FA Cup semi-final now, which is a record. Arsenal's 29th, which is also a new record, and in the 300th game at the Emirates, which I guess he did more than anyone else to build. So it was sort of quite a nice little riposte, I guess, in terms of uh, the week that he had particularly had. Uh, and yeah, those are great achievements. Arsene Wenger uh, has has uh, maybe been criticised for many things, but his attitude to the FA Cup has always been uh, been first class. He's always taken that competition incredibly seriously. Yeah, completely agree. We'll come on to that very point a bit later in our chat, Julian. Um, Lincoln, as you say, very solid for the first 45 minutes until Theo Walcott's well taken and, and deflected strike put them ahead on the cusp of half time. Uh, let's give ourselves a quick reminder of that goal flying into the net. Ramsey. Gibbs tries to flick it on. Giroud's in there, tries to knock it back. Now Walcott, and he scores. Arsenal scored 
right on half-time and Theo Walcott scores his fifth goal in the FA Cup this season. Done a very, very important goal. Yeah, it was. He, um, <clears throat> he, uh, he's going through a habit of scoring a, a few goals recently. He's a player who's, I guess, I guess patchy. He has, a, he has runs of form where he, he will score plenty of goals and then maybe go, may, may go quiet for a, a couple of months. And At the moment, he's in a, he's in a good vein of form. Uh, obviously, took his goal against Bayern Munich exceptionally well as well. Uh, and Arsenal needed that. You sort of wonder what would have happened if Arsenal had gone in at half-time with it at nil-nil, what the reaction would have been, how it would have built, uh, built over the break, <clears throat> and how the team would have uh, would have responded to it. But you sort of felt that once the first goal went in, Lincoln weren't really going to come back after that. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty vital. Theo Walcott's strike was actually his 12th FA Cup goal, which takes him level for the club record for FA Cup goals with Ian Wright. And there is something about this tournament, isn't there, with Theo? And uh, we've seen it for three or four seasons now. Yeah, yeah, he scores, uh, he scores big goals in this competition. There was a, uh, a nice little bit of back and forth between him and Ian Wright on Twitter after the game as well. Uh, a bit of a... Bit of mutual respect. I think. Um, I think every Arsenal player will know that if you get uh, in Ian Wright's good books, then that tends to uh, go a long way with the fans as well. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he pops up with with big goals at big times at the moment. He he can be a frustrating player. I think everyone acknowledges that. But he uh, he also produces when it's needed. He did that on Saturday. Now, fitness was a key thing for me against a Tier 5 team, even though they are professional, even though they are the Conference Premier leaders. Um, that was important, wasn't it? The relentlessness really took its toll in, in the second half of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's also a difference, I think, between sort of... It, it's a big thing coming to a stadium like the Emirates. I think it's sort of it, the energy that you spend on the day compared to a normal non, non-league game is is very different. The whole build-up to it, walking out, having 60,000 pairs of eyes on you and knowing that you're, you're live on TV, that also contributes quite a lot. That takes away quite... That saps your strength somewhat as well. I mean, Lincoln were never going to be as fit as Arsenal. You'd never expect them to be. And there's something about the wide-open expanses of stadiums like the Emirates, Old Trafford, Wembley, something like that, that's, that is completely different to playing at the, the level they would be used to. But what you did see is that the biggest stars of the Lincoln Cup run are not only the players, it's the, it's the managers, the Cowley brothers, where... They know how to organise a team. They know how to set up a side. And that is one of the hardest things you can do. And they've proven that you can do that. Um, fitness tailed off in the second half and Arsenal scored five. That, that happens. But I guess that 45 minutes was a pretty good, uh, pretty good addition to their CV, I would suggest. One other player I want to get your thoughts on in just a moment is Aaron Ramsey. Let's hear him speaking to Arsenal Media post-match, first of all. Full credit to them, you know, they've had an absolutely amazing FA Cup run and um, yeah, they just showed that in the first half, they were difficult to break down, very well organised and it's no surprise that they're top of the league, so um, you know, uh, we're just delighted that we're through and we, we got another trip to Wembley to get to the final. They were very well organised, they were in um, learners play to our usual standards, so it was difficult for us but we, uh, we carried on trying to unlock them and, um, and yeah, we finally did a, a few times in the second half. We're disappointed to be going out of the Champions League, but um, you know I love this competition, and um, you know I'm delighted to be going back to Wembley, and uh, hopefully we can have something to, you know to look forward to, and um, you know hopefully we can get back to the final. Well, Aaron, as we know, rounded off the scoring, didn't he, Julian? And uh, still an area of, of a little bit lightweight, I would say, is central midfield with all the injuries and absentees at the moment, and, and Aaron's role there for the rest of this season is is very important. It is. I mean, what Peng has done the last couple of games is he's gone to playing three in midfield with uh, with Xhaka in there as well, uh, alongside Ramsey and and one other Oxlade Chamberlain. Although I think he may have picked up an injury, and that that seems to work possibly better than it was before because Ramsey doesn't really fit in in any of the other systems, uh, particularly neatly. I mean, Meza Ozil's 
exactly a number 10. Ramsey doesn't work so well playing as one of the defensive midfielders. So what this new system, the little tweak could do, is actually bring the best out of him because he's had a really frustrating couple of seasons. He was fantastic for Wales at the Euros, showed what a brilliant player he can be. But for Arsenal, he had that sort of one sort of glorious 15, 18-month patch. But apart from that, you would say he's not really kicked on. He's not really been able to sustain it at all. And he's looking slightly happier now. Maybe he will stop getting those niggly three- to four-week uh, muscle injuries that he keeps getting. Uh, and if he can, he could be vital if Arsenal are going to have any chance of getting back into that top four. Now, going back to the point you raised earlier on, how tough it will be to win this year's FA Cup. Yes, Arsenal have had two non-league teams in a row. The job had to still be done and was, but you've got some very, very big teams still left, haven't you? Yeah, we, um, uh, we're speaking, I guess, before the... The Chelsea Man United game, but whoever gets through out of that, plus Spurs, plus Manchester City, um, there's no, <laughs> there's no easy, uh, easy tie there. Uh, I wonder what the Arsenal fans would like if it would be a, a North London derby uh, at Wembley, somewhere Spurs have, have not done so well. That would bring back various memories of, uh, of Paul Gascoigne. I guess <laughs> would, be, uh, would be one that people would think of first of all. Um, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be very difficult. You'd also say that of the teams who are left, Arsenal are probably in the most indifferent form. So they've got a month or so to, to get up to speed. It's sort of towards the end of April, I think, the semi-finals. They've got uh, four or five weeks to actually kick back into gear. But if it was tomorrow, you would say that Arsenal are probably the outsiders of the four, simply on the basis that, that City have come into form. Spurs hit six over the weekend. They've been playing very well. And United and Chelsea are both going pretty well as well. So you would suggest that Arsenal probably are outsiders at the moment. But who knows, Wenger's, uh, Wenger's come, through, come through tougher things than that before. He's also come through threats to not finishing in the top four on multiple occasions. And we'll talk about the West Brom game with Adrian Clark in a few minutes on the show, Julian. But, wow, Liverpool winning over the weekend in the Premier League to extend their points advantage over Arsenal. But, of course, the Gunners have got these two games in hand, haven't they? Which is certainly something to cling on to. Yes. Uh, always wonder how good games in hand that you just have to go and win those games I think West Brom away will be uh, very difficult actually Tony Pulis does like ruffling Arsenal feathers uh, and his side have been, have been having a great season actually so they've gone quite under the radar but they've been doing really well um, at the moment Arsenal are outsiders to finish in the top four but as has happened I don't know how many times over the last decade Arsenal come through at the end that's, that's been the way of it um, this season I guess is following a similar pattern of start well show lots of promise tail off, look like it's all going completely wrong and I guess it's set up for the traditional uh, excellent end of season form to uh, to get back into the top four but something feels slightly different about this season, there's much more of an end of an era feel about it even though if I'm, I'm far from certain that Arsene Wenger will go but I don't know, maybe the uh, maybe the cards aren't stacked quite right for, uh, for that same surge that there has been in previous years and uh, a lot of people I wonder are thinking maybe that Outside the top four would lead to change, which is what they might want. I'm not saying that's necessarily the right uh, the right thing to think, but it's uh, it's slightly more febrile atmosphere than it has been in, in previous years, and you wonder if it might be more difficult to make the top four than it has been in the past. And I'll just finish with a word on potential fixture congestion with all of that in mind, because with one or two rearranged games yet to be sorted, it could be a very busy May, couldn't it, for Arsenal, and needing to win not just with the cup, but with that top four in the league in mind. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm... Um, I think one thing this season has shown, and last season as well to a degree, is the advantage of not having other fixtures. Leicester, obviously, last season, not in, not in Europe. You wouldn't expect them to be anywhere near Europe. Uh, and they took full advantage of that. This season, Chelsea have obviously had no European games and have stormed through. 
Liverpool have struggled a little bit more, but Man United's form, I mean, they've travelled so many miles in the Europa League and that's made a difference. And then Spurs, Arsenal and City sort of battling on two, three fronts. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And if it does come down to fixture congestion, you wonder how good the the backup players are. That's when you see how good they are. Uh, Wenger is convinced that this is the strongest squad he's had in many a year and I guess, um, I guess he will be proven right or wrong one way or the other. The Telegraph's Julian Bennett's joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Uh, appreciate your time, mate. Great to have you on. Please come on again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, it's certainly been great in recent weeks to see Danny Welbeck fully fit and firing and banging in the goals once more. Here's Danny talking about growing up, playing football in Manchester and about his early love for the game. I think just as a kid, uh, it was something that I loved to do and uh, as soon as I got home from wherever it may be, I was just straight out, back outside playing on the streets uh, with my brothers, my friends and you don't really think too much ahead, you just enjoy, take each day as it comes, you just want to play football. I think um, that's when that's when a lot of us are happiest um, when we've got the ball at our feet and yeah it was uh, it's fun times and um, something that you can look back on and smile and have a laugh with your with your closest people. Fletcher Moss, it was actually um, Wes Brown's dad and Reese Brown, like my, one of my closest mates, Reese Brown. Um, we lived directly opposite the road from each other. Obviously, I get to see got to see um, Wes. Growing up and seeing him go away to Lillyshaw, come back, breaking into Manchester United first team, it kind of gives you that that um, motivation um, that you can you can look up to him and aspire to do the same. And it was actually his dad Bancroft who uh, got me involved with Fletcher Moss uh, Rangers at, at a young age, and, and I think from then just uh, took off from there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Obviously, Fletcher Moss have produced quite a lot of players in the past, and 
Wes went for the same place. Um, and then there's a, a, lo a whole lot of players at Manchester United and Manchester City that have come from that local side. Yeah, I think it was it's kind of just normal for me to play against people that were older than me. And and then that's when um, uh, when I was in the academy at United, then I start playing in the older age groups, and yeah, just kept progressing from there. I think uh, because it's so the competition is so tough. Uh, even in the academy levels, that you see players come and go every single season, and and I think with my age group we had a good core um, group of players that we really stuck together, and yeah, it was good, man, it was good, but it was a it was a challenge, but a really good challenge, and uh, once you sign your scholarship, that's when you start directing every single piece of focus on on becoming a professional footballer. I think the pressure is a good thing. Uh, it keeps you motivated, wants you to do even better, keep on improving yourself as a as a player. And um, so it is good pressure. And obviously, uh, the games mean a lot more once you get into the professional side of football. And but yeah, it's um, it's good. It's part and parcel of the game, and something that you deal with and you take it in your stride. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, the three goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 14th of March, 1912, the great Cliff Bastin was born in Heaventree in Devon. Outside left, Bastin gives further proof of his versatility. The Arsenal paid £2,000 for his transfer from Exeter City, but he certainly justified it. Well, Cliff was signed by the Gunners after just 17 games for Exeter and Bastin went on to be Arsenal's record goalscorer with 178 strikes before Ian Wright overtook him in 1997. The Arsenal play like the champions they are and give the Sunderland defence a most uncomfortable time. Two of their three goals are scored in the first half. Now the Arsenal have it all their own way and keep up a continuous pressure. Bastin puts them ahead and most of the crowd realises that soccer has really begun. Bastin helped the club win two FA Cups and five First Division titles in his 18 memorable years at Highbury. And he remains our third record goalscorer behind Wright and Thierry Henry. We'll have another history lesson for you on next week's show. But now, time to catch up with Adrian Clark at the Chalkboard. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, Adrian Clark joins me at the chalkboard. Clarky, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. I'm not hunched over with a sore back today, so that's progress. Um, so, yeah, no, life's good. After a win as well, which makes us feel all the much better. Um, so we're going to talk about the FA Cup first okay. with our weekly question. What is your favourite FA Cup semi-final memory? It's a really good question because we don't have a stack of them here at Arsenal. I've got to say, a lot of the semi-finals have been... Heavy going. Because we really have lots have. of semi-finals. Plenty it's just of, the memorable ones. Plenty of semi-finals, but we've had a lot of very close games, a lot of one nilers, and quite a lot of stress, I've got to say, down the years. <laughs> Probably the most satisfying that I've been at would be the Spurs game when Tony Adams scored with a header. That was nice. It's always nice to beat Spurs, obviously, but I was in the crowd that day. I was part of the youth team here at Arsenal at that point in time, and we all went absolutely bananas. It was, it was brilliant. And it was a great cup season for Arsenal. We did the cup double, of course, in 1993. So, yeah, that would stand out. Also, 
I think the Wigan game is unforgettable, purely for for the situation, the stress of it, how badly Arsenal needed that trophy to come from behind with that with that late goal, and then for it to go to penalty kicks with, with Fabianski doing the business. That was. Pretty exciting, yeah. but um, yeah. we didn't have any fingernails left. <laughs> <laughs> Just about grown back now. Thanks for your thoughts on that, Adrian. So we fast forward to Premier League action returning and a really important game, to put it mildly, isn't it, against West Bromwich Albion, given everything we talked about on the show already in this is fight for top four. Definitely. And with the international break coming after it, I think it's absolutely imperative that Arsenal take all three points here and, and they don't allow this gap between themselves and the teams above them to extend anymore if they can claim victory at the Hawthorns. I think they can go into that international break feeling a lot better about themselves. Obviously, the confidence has been boosted a touch after the Lincoln win and, um, and this will be the next step, basically, in what we hope will be a really powerful end to the season. Look, Arsenal have, have timed their run really well in recent years. They have been strong finishers and they're going to need to find that again. We got very excited together on Boxing Day, didn't we, commentating on the reverse fixture where uh, Olivier Giroud scored a, a really kind of iconic Giroud-style header so, so late on to get three points in mm. that game. Absolutely, yeah. It was a close game. West Bromwich Albion played well on the day. Arsenal did deserve it, I've got to say. They worked really hard in the second half, threw so many crosses into the box. But yeah, my standout memory of that game is Ben Foster. Ben Foster was unbelievable, the West Bromwich Albion goalkeeper. He's having a fine season and he is the one player, I think, not that Arsenal need to worry about because you can't worry about the opposition goalie, but... If anybody can deny Arsenal three points in this game, I, I do think it could be Ben Foster. He, he has that knack sometimes of just pulling out a wonderful performance. Just hope he doesn't do it in this game. Mm. OK, so this West Brom team are eighth, which is really good. But actually, the last couple of weeks, their results haven't been so great. They've just maybe gone a little bit stale over the last week or so. Definite dip. Uh, I would put a lot of that down to the absence of Matty Phillips, the winger. He's been superb for them this season, probably the most improved player in the Premier League, or certainly in the top top group of most improved players. He's injured with a hamstring problem. We don't yet know if he's going to be fit. And I, I just think they've missed his drive, his ball carrying. Without him, they've been too predictable, to be perfectly honest. And since that Arsenal game, they've only had one match where a striker has scored a goal for them. I mean, that's, that's going back a long, long time Good now. Stat. Um, Robson Carnu scored at St Mary's. Other than that, Rondon hasn't got any. Robson Kahn hasn't got any more. It's been all defenders and midfielders. So I'm not too worried about the West Brom forward line based on current form. So, um, yeah, the goal threats might come from somewhere else. And to unlock that West Brom defence and keeper, as you just talked about, Adrian, I wonder how Arsenal will combat this one when they've got a lot of different options, haven't they, in terms of who starts up front and also what formation they use because we've seen a bit of variety now. We have, yeah. We've seen a three-man midfield. It's more of a... 4-3-3 at the moment. I think that's a welcome change. I think it's worked pretty well as well. So it will be fascinating to see what the manager does. Not least because on paper, you'd think against a side full of a defence that's made up of four giants, you'd think play the small guys, play your Alexis's, Theo Walcott, Lucas Perez. But we did try that in the game at home and it didn't really, it didn't really work. Or we, or actually, we didn't try it. What worked for us in the second half of the game against West Bromwich Albion was actually the aerial route yeah. and pumping it to Olivier Giroud. Yeah. And that's how we scored the goal. So 
I don't think there's one hard and fast way of beating West Bromwich Albion. Um, I think movement is the obvious thing because the two centre-backs aren't the most mobile, but they're not infallible in the air either. So, um, yeah, I think a mixed approach. It's basically, it's all about tempo. It's about playing in West Brom's half. We can create enough chances. We should win this game. They're not in great form, West Bromwich Albion. This is actually a half-decent time to play them. OK, so if I was going to ask you what is your key head-to-head matchup, what would you say? Oh, key head-to-head. That is, that is a good question. I think that you're probably looking at Ben Foster against the rest. He's not the biggest keeper either. He's a, he's a very good shot stopper. I'd l- I actually think whipping plenty of crosses into the box will serve us well in this yeah. game. So for that reason, I actually have a hunch that Olivier Giroud might start this particular match. He's not brilliant at coming out to claim crosses. He's not the most decisive in, in that area of his game. So, yeah, I think I think um, I, the whole Arsenal forward line against Ben Foster is the duel that I'd pick out. And in a sentence, and don't say by beating Ben Foster, <laughs> how do you beat West Brom? You beat West Bromwich Albion by concentrating hard on set pieces. Do that, you limit West Brom and hopefully you win the game. Oh, the Arsenal Weekly podcast editor, Liam Roberts, has come into the studio as he does at this stage of every chalkboard. Uh, Looking smart this morning. Nice red Arsenal. You think he's looking smart? I quite like it. Not so sure. Mm, not so sure. Preparing for the game tonight. Under 23 game tonight, so I need the, uh, I need the waterproof on. <laughs> he's got the gear. Does he have any idea, though? Uh, I've got no idea, but I've got some answers. <laughs> and so the question I asked you last week, there's a lot of maths involved here, so I've, I've bought my paper because I needed to write it all down. I asked you combined minutes for the Bayern and the Lincoln game. Adding up all the minutes, first half, second half, both ones. Mm. Adrian, you went for? One, uh, 1.92. That's right, yep. yeah. And Russ? And I was going to say 1.91, but I was told that that is, again, unprofessional. So, um, 1.90, I said. So, there's a, a little gap in the middle. <laughs> no, I'm worried about this. Bit of come middle on, ground, yep. So, Bayern game combined, there was 94 minutes and 10 seconds. <sighs> oh, Lincoln, well. 96 minutes and 13 seconds. So combined, 190 minutes, 23 seconds. Russell Hargreaves the closest. Oh. Yeah. Gives you a point. Gives you a point. Not, not exact, but I wasn't expecting anyone to get so it So I was only a few seconds out from a so, three yeah, point. So you were only oh. 23 seconds out, but blind. That's harsh. That's harsh. I, I'd, be calling, I'd be crying for the three points there. You took it well. I, you know who's killed me here? It's the referee. It's the referee at the weekend, Mr Anthony Taylor. He's only been on that stag do. He, he, his head's not right. He... There were three or four substitutions in that second half against Lincoln City, and he blew up after 90 minutes. It should have been it should be an extra two. Adrian now, he's now complaining about refereeing decisions. Conspir- in the, uh... There is a conspiracy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on Mourinho on you. There is a conspiracy against me. Okay, I'll tell you what then. I was within a minute. I want three points. I was within a minute. Either side, I think I should have a three-point haul. Or maybe haggle for a two-point haul. It's 20 points to 18 now, so you've got the two-point lead. So uh, I'd, I'd quit while you're ahead. Okay, quit while the form is good. So um, this week... Uh, West Brom game. So against Lincoln, Arsenal, lots of shots, but mm. not too many on target. So I would like to know this week the percentage of shots that hit the target for Arsenal in the game against West Brom. Oh my goodness. Mm. It's me first, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. Going back to what Adrian and I were just saying, I can see Arsenal shooting a lot on target, but Ben Foster making a lot of saves, very much like the game at Emirates Stadium. So I think the gap between the two will be smaller than normal. Oh, this is really <laughs> hard. I am going to say 
45% of shots on target. Okay, 45%. That's, that's, that's a good guess, I would imagine. Um, I will go with slightly less. I'll play 40%. Okay, that's intriguing. We'll enjoy this game all the more now. <laughs> Liam, good work. Adrian, when can we see or hear you again? Um, I'll be on the match day show. Uh, really looking forward to it. It is a lunchtime game, isn't it? So we'll be on it from 12 o'clock here on Arsenal.com. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Danny Welbeck, to Julian Bennett, and of course to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. You can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process and find us on Acast these days as well, so you've never got the excuse to miss another episode. We're back on Monday, the 20th of March, and until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gutters. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.